Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On today's episode, concerns over COVID-19 could result in a higher uptake of flu vaccinations this season. Each year, health officials encourage the public to get vaccinated for the seasonal flu. Dr. Susan Detmer, an associate professor in the Department of Veterinary Pathology with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine, says if you get influenza, your defenses will weaken, making you more vulnerable to COVID-19. Dr. Detmer will tell us why the vet college is particularly interested in flu vaccinations and how it applies to humans and animals. Saskatchewan has just been through a provincial election that saw the governing Saskatchewan party return to office with another majority. Agriculture groups actively follow the campaign. They spent a lot of time getting their message out about issues they want the government to address. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association went so far as to contact the political parties with a list of questions that outlined some of their top concerns. SCA Chief Executive Officer Ryder Lee will tell us about what needs attention and says what it comes down to is government doing what it can to improve the competitiveness of cattle producers. After the break, Susan Detmer. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Dr. Susan Detmer is an associate professor in the Department of Veterinary Pathology with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. Susan, uh, there has been a lot of emphasis placed on flu shots, especially in the fall. Why is it particularly important for those who are around livestock to get that vaccination? When we talk about seasonal flu or influenza, we're talking about the influenza A virus in humans. And there are typically five different strains that are found in the human, circulating in the human population. Last year, it was mostly pandemic 2009 that has evolved in the human population. The The implications for animals is that the pandemic virus does actually move easily into pigs. It can also infect uh, cats and dogs, but not at as easy of a rate. So we don't see as much in pets, human-to-pet transmission, but we do see a lot of human-to-pig transmission of the pandemic virus. So it is uh, something that we do like to monitor in the human population and pig population because there's also the chance that the virus can change in either population and then go back to the other species. So just explain for us what the lines of defense are available to reduce the risk of exposure to the flu or transmission of the virus. So there are a number of things, and we've learned a lot as as the human public during the COVID crisis this last year, because a lot of the things you do to prevent spread of COVID, you would also do to prevent the spread of influenza. Um, we don't have a COVID vaccine yet, but we do have the influenza annual vaccine available, and that is something that everyone should be considering getting this, especially this year. Um, for pigs, we have some vaccines for pigs 
typically we do autogenous vaccines, so we vaccinate them with the virus that is found on the farm, but we can also give them a pandemic vaccine. Certainly, it's less expensive to get the humans vaccinated that go on the farm or keep the virus out of the farm by staying home if you're sick, just like we would right now for COVID. Um, if you have a fever, coughing, any signs of respiratory illness, not going into work and getting yourself tested to make sure that you're not infectious when you go to work. Um, there's also just keeping separate from people, uh, coughing into your sleeve instead of in the open air, wearing a mask, all of those things help with the spread of influenza. If you go on a farm and you're coughing and spreading the flu to the pigs, it can they're often naive to that virus and it will spread very quickly, causing a lot of illness, respiratory illness on that farm. So it can be quite serious. So in terms of vaccination, who should or should not, I guess, be vaccinated and when is the most uh, effective time frame to get that vaccination? There are people who cannot get the influenza vaccine due to health reasons and their doctor will tell them if they're not, um, it's not recommended. Certainly people who've had reactions to the vaccines in the past, they're grown in eggs. Uh, the viruses are grown in eggs. So if you're allergic to eggs, you should not get it. Um, the people who should get it are actually the greater part of the population, uh, especially young children who are going to school right now and could potentially contract uh, a respiratory virus from their classmates. And with COVID, we don't want people to mistake influenza for COVID and then have to stay home. So if you were vaccinated, you'd actually have a lower uh, chance of having the full-blown influenza disease where you have the more than two or three days of illness. It usually, you usually recover faster if you've gotten vaccinated. You may not prevent the virus entirely from infecting yourself, but instead of having 10 to 14 days of illness, you could have a shorter three to five days of illness and be back at work or at, back at school. I'm speaking with Susan Detmer, a professor at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. Susan, how does COVID-19 change the situation when it comes to getting the general public vaccinated and the importance of getting that vaccination? So we're finding with COVID virus, uh, the SARS type 2 virus that causes COVID-19, what we're finding is that they're actually having respiratory issues months after they're infected. So when you have your respiratory system not fully being able to get a deep breath, your cilia that are part of your respiratory defense system are not fully active, all of these things make you more susceptible to getting another infection, respiratory infection. So anyone who was infected with COVID over the last several months is actually more susceptible to getting influenza and having a bad case of influenza where they could be hospitalized. So for those people, it's absolutely crucial that they consider getting vaccinated and they need to talk to their doctor about that. 
for the people who haven't had COVID yet, if you get influenza and you're sick with influenza and you haven't been vaccinated, that's a period of two to three weeks of recovering where your lungs and your respiratory tract are recovering from the influenza virus. And all of that time, you're more susceptible. Your defenses are down and your body is fighting that influenza you need to be very careful that you don't get COVID because the two viruses together could be an incredibly dangerous mix. And do you see the pandemic as a driver behind more people getting the flu shot? We're hoping. Uh, Typically, uh, only about 20% of the population gets the influenza vaccine each year. During the 2009 pandemic, which in We had a vaccine by October, November of 2009. We actually only got up to 40% in the United States uptake in the influenza vaccine, which was surprising. Um, People discovered that there wasn't as many people dying of that strain of influenza, so they decided they'd risk it. and, And what ended up happening is the virus was able to spread more easily because people weren't protected. Uh, right now, last year, the CDC, the highest amount of influenza that they were able to detect in people was the pandemic virus, which had evolved and changed. So this virus has been evolving over the last decade in people and becoming more virulent in some cases, because that's what viruses do. They, be, they get around the vaccine and they change so that they can keep infecting and spreading. So there is a concern. We don't know what virus is going to be the most common this year, but there's still going to be lingering high amounts of pandemic, which is what I actually found towards the end of the pig flu season this spring, there was a lot of of pandemic virus in the last quarter of 2019 and the first quarter of 2020. We had about a spread of, uh, even spread of the different viruses that we see in pigs. But when I look at the genetics of these pandemic viruses, more than half of them, actually close to 80% of them, are human to pig transmission of virus. And that's how I know that these viruses are moving from people to, to pigs because they match the human isolates, not the isolates that we see in pigs. So any final thoughts, Susan? We have a huge opportunity this year to reduce the spread of influenza. We also have a huge opportunity to reduce COVID disease in all of our populations and staying at home when you're sick, working from home when you're able to, um, getting your flu vaccine, washing your hands, wearing a mask, all of the things that our public health people have been saying for months now, please listen to them because we have an opportunity right now to prevent massive disease in humans this winter. This is the time that we need to focus on keeping the diseases down. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us today, Susan. Thank you for having me. Dr. Susan Detmer is an associate professor at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Veterinary Medicine. After the break, Ryder Lee with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association talks about competitiveness, 
being the overriding issue for the industry. And he'll talk about what the main focus is for the group when you're dealing with government after an election. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Saskatchewan residents sent a very clear message during this provincial election, giving the Saskatchewan party, led by Scott Moe, another majority. So farm groups, of course, watching the results very closely, including the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. And with me is CEO Ryder Lee. Ryder, SCA sent a letter with a list of five questions for the party to parties to answer pertaining to livestock industry concerns. So now that the election dust has settled, uh, what do you see as the most important issue leading into this new term with a government that you're obviously quite familiar with already? Overarching everything, I guess, really comes to, to competitiveness. And, you know, that it's, I don't know if that's useful for you to, to say something that can that is so general as that, but it's whether it's legislation, regulation, programming, we keep an eye on all of it across the different ministries to try and make sure that it that it's helped that'll kind of set out the the agenda um and and we'll go to work there so we'll see what they come far with we've got some a lot of things that we want them to kind of to finish whether it's trespassing and and how that's changed or changing uh irrigation announcements and things like that there's a lot of conversation on business risk management programming so there's a lot of in progress but but that first six to 12 months of a mandate is when when probably the most interesting stuff gets tried by governments and of course in covid we've got to keep an eye on how they manage with with budgets and everything as well do you feel that there's been um a lot of talk I guess, first of all, the Mo government seems to be quite responsive to agriculture concerns, but has it been a lot of talk and are you wanting more action on any particular file right now? Well, there has been a lot of talk and, and you know, we've had a really good relationship with Minister Merritt and, 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 and you know, Minister Stewart before him and, and, and the government in general that sees agriculture as valuable to the province. And, you know, even, you know, in the COVID response where we saw the Saskatchewan government and the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association partner on responding to um, price insurance premium challenges, uh, we're the only province that had that kind of a response. So um, whoever wins, we, we hope they keep that value of agriculture, that growth goals for agriculture, including the livestock industry up there at the top that's where you know this big announcement over irrigation is really about growing the economy in saskatchewan and through agriculture and we can't take that for granted i talk to a lot of people who do my job both the relationship that we have and the value that's placed on agriculture isn't a given in canada oh absolutely and in a setting like this do you think that maybe agriculture gets more respect here than in other jurisdictions in canada I'd say we we have a more open ear, but we than than some other provinces. But that can't be taken for granted e- either. You know, you talk to some people who can remember doing this job and, and advocating for cattle producers in in different decades, and and agriculture wasn't always valued as it is now. So we cannot take that for granted, and that's why we continue to show up in Regina on cattle producers' behalf. 
Ryder Lee is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. You talk about the listening or the open ear, but what about what's happening on the urban side of things? SCA mentioned in those five questions that you sent to all the parties uh, prior to the election, um, one of the items was social license. So do you think that the agriculture sector is getting better at telling their own story? And what more do you think needs to be done? Well, I, th- I think we are. I think I think it's pretty universally accepted that we need to be present in that conversation, and and I think we've moved to moved a little bit off of well, we just need to tell everybody that we follow the science, and they should darn well understand that we're moving more to well, let's connect with consumers see what their questions are and and talk to them as the people that we are and the people that they are and and you, if if you want to find a genuine farmer from any state or province on any social media feed you can find it and and we're doing a great job there and and probably providing more than than, than is demanded but you got to because it's such a big world out there on social media on trying to collide with what I call colliding with consumers. So we've we've dedicated more resources to advertising and, and, and that kind of connection and there's been a lot of things that we've funded with partners like Farm and Food Care to interact with consumers and influencers of consumers that unfortunately are taking a, a hit from COVID but continue to focus on that. It's it's come a long way in the last five to ten years of, of knowing how to and, and valuing the doing of it. I want to talk about business risk management programs. Ryder, what are the improvements that are needed to make them more livestock producer friendly? Getting the help to the sector, to those who need it when they need it. Sure. Well, right off the bat, we need to get rid of what's called reference margin limiting in in agri-stability. Um, agri-stability is as it was written and, and fully funded was a good whole farm program. But it's been tweaked at, it's been to, to reduce the liability of governments, and they've done some program changes, and they've kept the caps at 15, 20 years of the level. So it's become not a good program. And you can see that in the participation. So we'd like the caps addressed. We'd like that reference margin limit gone. And there's a FedProv territory meeting coming up um, in November. Our, our, we'll, we'll, it'll be in time that BC's minister should be named, that our minister should be named. So so hopefully they can they can do that because that, that was brought in to, to reduce the cost of these programs, uh, namely the, the liability to, to paying profitable operations. And the side effect has been it really clobbers cattle producers, especially if they grow their own feed. So we need that change. And, and then we've got some improvements we'd like to see around price insurance. We'd, we'd like to see cattle price insurance be permanent, but there's some, some other modifications we'd like to see and, and, and make it apply to to all the modern market of of cattle that that we do these days. 
So I guess that the best that producers and the organizations that represent them can hope for is open dialogue. So do you feel that you've had that in the past? And uh, what are your expectations for the future? No, I'm, I'm really happy with, with how that has gone, um, both here in town and, you know, even in Ottawa. We're, we're, we're struck a little bit right now with, with one, one color of province when it comes to MPs, but that's how we get our voice raised in Ottawa. And I think that the announcement over the, the CBIT put into, you know, relief that we can get some things done, even working with our, our opposition MPs. So, um, you know, I think I think it's there, and and partly it's there because we keep showing up. You can't uh, leave these things idle and, and expect them to continue. So we continue to do that. And you know, one of the things that some of these things take a long time to build. And one of the things we're talking about is a Saskatchewan science class that's based on Saskatchewan's productive industries and kind of a new idea. But we're we're slowly building the momentum there and having some good conversations. Rome wasn't built in a day. No, no. (laughs) Legislation wasn't passed in a day either for for general purposes. Fantastic. Ryder, thanks for your time. Thanks, Alice. Ryder Lee is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. It's time for the weekly Agriculture News Roundup for the week of October 26, 2020. The Canada Emergency Business Account expanded eligibility to businesses that use personal banking accounts. This includes farmers who have been asking for this change, and livestock producers are expected to benefit. Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association Chair Arnold Balicki said the interest-free loan will enable producers to delay selling their livestock until prices show improvement. He said prices usually drop during the busy fall calf marketing period. India extended the lower tariff period for lentils until the end of December. India's Ministry of Finance issued the notice just before the October 31st deadline. The 11% duty applies to lentil imports from all countries, excluding the United States, which remains at 33%. The reduced lentil duty was implemented in early June and continued until the end of August. Plenty of responses from farm groups to a proposal about tank mix labeling. The proposal by the PMRA, the Pest Management Regulatory Agency of Health Canada, was released earlier this year. Saskweed General Manager Harvey Brooks said the new PMRA proposal is a reversal of a long-standing guideline. Saskweed, in its letter to PMRA, stated the proposal would increase producers' environmental impact and hurt their competitiveness by reducing operating margins. Roquette's new pea protein plant in Portage, La Prairie, Manitoba, is now contracting organic yellow peas. Roquette grain buyer Glenn Lass said the response to the first round of contracts from producers in Manitoba and Saskatchewan has been very positive. The plant is the largest of its kind in the world and will start operations at the end of the year. The Canadian Barley Research Coalition committed more than $1.5 million over five years to a core barley breeding agreement with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. CBRC, which was officially formed earlier this year, includes Alberta Barley, SAS Barley and Manitoba Crop Alliance. 
Chair Jason Skoltheim said the funds will be supporting the development of new two-row malting varieties. They're adapted to Western Canada and have improved yield, stronger straw and higher kernel plumpness, test weight and kernel weight, as well as improved disease resistance. Farm groups were offering congratulations to the Mo government on its Saskatchewan election win. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Chair, Daryl Fransu, said the need for strong agriculture policy is imperative to ensure a strong economy. The Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities commended all who ran in the election and extended congratulations to the successful candidates. President Ray Orb said reliable internet and cell phone service and ongoing support for agriculture producers will remain a priority. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.